and you're listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. We talk casually, yet poignantly, about the most relevant topics in teaching today. Come on and chat with us, because we're always ready for a great conversation. everyone and welcome to bonus episode number seven of the Staff Room Podcast. This is our author talk series. We are so humbled and excited to feature our awesome guest today. Matthew Rhodes is the author of Navigating the Toggled Term, Preparing Secondary Educators for Navigating for Fall 2020 and Beyond. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today to talk about your book. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's exciting. Definitely been uh, following you guys for a while and been wanting to get on. So it's uh, great that we're finally here. Matt, fantastic that you are here. And we're having a lot of fun with our author's talk. And we know we've tried to connect numerous times. So we are really excited this morning to to finally make that happen. Uh, I'll start off the question. So one, for our audience, give us a little summary about who you all are, your role in education. But then specifically, let's get into um, your book. Let's talk a little bit. What was the motivation behind getting into your book, your content? Was it sort of something that came about through an experience or did you feel you had a real mission and vision that you wanted to tell a story? We would love to hear a little bit of the motivation behind navigating the toggle term. Yeah. So a um, little bit of background about myself is that I'm an ed specialist at a secondary school and I'm also a university lecturer and I uh, supervise teacher candidates that are getting their credentials here at San Diego State University. Um, so I lecture on ed tech there and integration. Um, my background in research is on data literacy and professional development. It's kind of uh, interesting that I've kind of moved in towards more instructional models and integrating ed tech, but that's kind of what my day-to-day practice has been over my course of my teaching career. Uh, my first year of teaching, I went like 90% paperless, uh, teaching students in special education and general education, and really just focusing on integrating uh, instructional strategies with the tech and doing a lot of blended type learning uh, scenarios with my students over the last six years. And I think that uh, eventually uh, when March 13th hit, uh, when we moved online, it, to me, it wasn't a huge change, but I knew that there was such a large uh, need um, for um, bringing out blended learning and integrating ed tech tools. And really um, my one of my doctoral professors, who's one of my mentors, um, she sent all of the recent graduates a message. She's like, with your uh, knowledge of educational technology, synchronous, asynchronous, blended learning, online backgrounds, you guys need to make a difference. So I felt like that kind of triggered me to really push and start really blogging a lot. And then just really that turned into the project of writing the book. And that's how it kind of manifested. 
That sounds uh, that sounds pretty amazing, Matt. I mean, the fact that you had been doing this for the past six years and all of a sudden there was this huge need for it. I mean, it almost feels like, you know, this passion was was sort of waiting uh, for it to be, you know, to, for it to come to life. I mean, not to say that it was the best of scenarios or situations for this, but, you know, we've been hearing a lot more about blended learning within education in the past few years. And, um, you know, sometimes the need for that comes from these sort of strenuous situations. Uh, but so, so glad that, you know, some someone like yourself or the other people that have this experience were able to help educators along. And uh, I know that the book is meant for educators, but is there a specific group of people, like specifically teachers, that the book is especially geared towards? Like, who is going to benefit the most from the content in this book? I think it's essentially it's all K-12 teachers, even though it says secondary. I think that um, looking back now, I would have probably just left out the word secondary in the title. But um, really, it's for all K-12 teachers, and it's really for them to build what I call the online instructional infrastructure, which can really bend into any sort of blended learning model to allow them to move interchangeably to any sort of setting, whether that's online, a blended learning scenario where you're in like a hybrid-like schedule, as well as um, what we call now concurrent. Um, and I provide the toggle term instructional model there that shows instructional strategies that work in any setting with the tools. Uh, so it's really quite powerful. And essentially, I just want educators, any educator, and even school leaders to have that framework in place so that they can seamlessly move back and forth as this pandemic goes on. And I think that blended learning is going to be the future for at least, I think, K through, uh, I mean, uh, sixth grade through around 12th grade now. And I think university, it's going to be like that as well. It was already really becoming that. So I think it's really laying the groundwork just to get through now, but also, I think, in a decade to come. Matt, that's such a great response. So many nuggets in there. And it made me start to think of, you know, Pavanai's experience because it's vastly different from yours. You talk about having this wealth of background so that when this uh, came about, you, you were in a place to really provide support. And so you, you when you have all these blogs that are really about just what teachers need at this point, because I know I, I feel now much more comfortable in a place. And when you talked about this back and forth, I think this is really important is that we have the flexibility now to sort of uh, be face to face, go virtual, and you can make a decision as, as simply as Thursday night to say Friday, we're going to go uh, remote and we can do it. And even here in Toronto, you think about weather days, you know, the weather can be a big factor for us. And so when you have a big snowstorm coming, like there's always this chatter about, well, we should we close the schools? Can we close the schools? And then even in something as sort of superficial as the weather, you can say, we have a bad storm rolling in for a couple of days. We're going to keep our learning at home, especially for those older students where you don't necessarily have to worry about uh, child's uh, care for younger children. So I really thought that that was really important. And then when you you talk even further about this is where we're going, I think Pav and I have had the same conversation where our high schools here are in a hybrid format. format. 
And we really feel without any discussion that this is the format we're going to keep keep because it adds such flexibility and such diversity to your teaching practice and to your learning uh, the way you're going to learn. And so when you made that comment that this isn't really just to get by now, that we are learning new ways to deliver content. We're seeing how our students are able to thrive with these uh, new skills and these new teaching environments that it's so important. And, and as teachers, it's so great to be able to talk to other teachers and other educators that have sort of been uh, ahead of the ball, so to speak, and been doing the work, doing the research and, and engaging in it. I know for Pav and I, we didn't have a lot of tech embedded in our school. So it took us a little bit of time to get comfortable. And so it made it sort of our lead into our next question was this, the expression, toggled term in your title really gets our attention the toggled term and we would love for you just to expand and elaborate a little bit more on what what's toggled term all about yeah so it initially came from uh brian alexander who's a futurist in uh higher education and talks about like what's going on in higher ed at the university level and he talked about this in uh early april i believe he wrote a blog post about it, about just essentially however long this pandemic is going to go. And he basically talked that, you know, we're going to have in-person component. And then if cases flare up or the transmission rate becomes too high in a given locality, we're going to have to move to online until that goes down. And essentially you're toggling from in-person to online. So that's what the toggled is. And really um, the point of the book is to prepare schools, teachers, leaders, all for them to toggle at any moment's notice so that they can ensure that instruction continues. There's no halt in the instruction. And I think that we're going to be in this even as the vaccine rolls out for some time. I think that we're going to be in this until about probably mid-22 with some social distancing and mask wearing. I mean, I think that we're going to, depending if you're rural or urban, there, this is not going to be something that's going to go away quickly. And I think that it just is going to be our reality for a long time. Um, so I think just being prepared and just having this in our toolkit will prepare us to, you know, just, I mean, just to combat this challenge as well as really just prepare us for what we talked about previously. I think the future, the decade now is going ahead, it's going to be focusing on blended learning and integrating research-based instructional strategies with the ed tech tools. You're going to still do paper and pencil, yes, but a lot of what's going to be amplifying the instruction, I think, is really focusing on technological literacy, data literacy, and I think that this is going to help us set up for that in the future. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, you're, you know, you're absolutely right that we do sort of predict this going for a little while longer in the, in the way that it is currently. But here's and here's where I want to kind of get your opinion on things. And, and, you know, you know, you have mentioned that you think that it will go on till about 2022, um, you know, and, and possibly even beyond and and having a good background uh, knowledge on how to toggle between the different types of learning um, really sets us up for the future. Now, do you see or do you foresee any other 
sort of structural changes uh, in regards to the way that learning is happening? I know that you mentioned that this is something that we can see happening for six to 12 and beyond, uh, you know, post high school, post secondary school. Um, and that's, that's sort of easy. But do you see this sort of, um, you know, the framework for toggling between different ways of learning, changing for the K to five grades, or even as a whole, do you see any additional, uh, you know, ways of learning? Like, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out virtual learning, like VR sort of uh, virtual reality type of scenarios or, or any other integration of further technologies in the near future? Do you, you know, have you done any research to see what, what's coming next down the pipeline? Because things are always evolving. And, uh, you know, although these forms of learning, the synchronous, asynchronous, blended, um, this is all something that we are sort of familiar with. Do you foresee any, any new types of technologies that we may want to start considering in the new in the near future yeah totally i i think that what's going to happen is is that for the k to six i think i mean really what it does is if for example if you know the blended learning model station rotation that could be something that is you implement in school for the k to six and then really it continues on at home those stations can continue at home and I think that that's something that is going to really affect uh, at the elementary levels because learning not only happens at school, but happens all the time. I think that the biggest thing that we're going to take away from this is that learning is not geared towards being physically in one spot. It's geared towards anywhere and any time. And I think that our instruction in the future is going to not only have that in-person component, it's gonna really have, we're gonna have modules that students can do through virtual reality, for example, at home or simulation or adaptive learning at home through personalized um, modules like on iReady or MobyMax. Um, so I think that really we're putting our students in the scenario to uh, focus on learning just not when we're physically in school anymore, but just anywhere, anytime and having that available for them. Oh, I love that response, Matt. Uh, I jotted down, not locked down to one space, that mindset of I'm in my room now, now I can start to learn and that it's everywhere. So I really enjoyed that part. Uh, I got a little follow-up question here because I know you are so uh, familiar with so many different ed tech tools. You know, what would be some that are your favorite or maybe ones you would suggest are uh, better for the the high school learner or more user-friendly for the, the, the primary junior learner? What are some, give us a couple of ed tech tools that are just nuggets or ones you've had the most success with or the ones you've enjoyed the most, or maybe perhaps the ones you're looking forward to exploring the most. Yeah, so it's interesting in in this book and then in my future project is that the first chapter is dedicated towards selecting the tools for your audience, for your student population, for your classroom setting, for your instructional style. So um, I think everyone is different. So I like to go through a framework of talking about what works best for you and what are you good at doing? Because the teacher is the one that's driving it, driving the use of the tools, and they know the instructional strategies that can work well with the tools. So, um, but when it comes down to tools that I'm using on a daily basis, um, 
I like to use, uh, I integrate Google Classroom and Seesaw for my learning management systems because it provides opportunities for my students to learn in multimodal ways. Like it allows, I can create assignments for them through Seesaw where they can take pictures of work that they're working on in person and upload it so I can see it. It could be, it could be art project. It could be uh, just writing out their math equations. It could be them recording a video. Um, and then I could, for example, link on the Google Classroom. Uh, it's more of like an informational uh, place where they can get their ed puzzles, where they're uh, focusing on when I front load the content to them, the algebraic concepts. Uh, I also use Flipgrid. That's basically my communication channel between them. That's how we're building community. I ask them questions on self-care, on what they're doing over the holidays, uh, what they're doing just on a day-to-day -day basis for themselves and just having that opportunity to build that community through Flipgrid. Um, also, um, what's the last, I don't, I'm only using like five right now because my, my philosophy is think less is more and get really good at like five or six versus just uh, doing a whole bunch. Um, like for example, when I do a PD, I do like two or three and I, I provide, for example, like five or six strategies that can be used with the tools versus just focusing on a plethora of tools because there's just so many out there and it just depends on, you know, it's an equity issue for schools, like which ones do they have available. I But I think that the strategies though is what is most important. So um, I think it doesn't really matter what the tool is. It's just a matter of like, how are you using it to meet your students' needs? That is such a great answer, Matt, and we are totally on board with the less is more approach. Uh, you know, we often feel so overwhelmed with all of the different ed tech tools that have um, evolved over the last couple of uh, couple of months and emerged in response to the need to, you know, support teachers with virtual teaching and. Um, we, we've also been using uh, Classroom, not so much Seesaw, but that is something that we'd like to explore a little bit more. Uh, a lot of our teachers have been using Seesaw in the younger years. And so it'd be really, really neat to explore that for the older grades as well. Um, but yes, the community building, and, and I, I completely agree with you, and I know that Che would agree as well, that using the fewer uh, tools, but providing the strategies for teachers on why it could be useful to use those tools and uh, the less that we have to manage as teachers in terms of the different, um, the tools that we're using, the different software that, that we're using. Um, it, it just makes life a little bit easier for us to plan. So thank you for providing that for us. And, and also some of those strategies that you, that you gave us um, to pick up on. And surely there are a lot more in the book that teachers can uh, use and apply to their classroom spaces as well. But before we go today, we do want to ask you about what you've got next on the horizon. What is Matt Rhodes up to and what's, what can we look forward to coming from you in the near future? So I can't talk a whole lot about it, but uh, just get ready for Q1 of 2021. Uh, a lot's coming and it's going to be um, just, it's basically this book, times like two or three. So it's going to be really exciting, uh, really focused on integrating a ton of instructional strategies uh, with the tools that we have, um, working on basically how to implement uh, blended learning in action um, and with the toggle term instructional model in action. So you're going to see a lot of 
really kind of what was discussed in this book, um, kind of broadened and more in action in the next project. So I'm really excited about it. And you'll probably start hearing more things about it in late December and uh, early 2021. Oh, that's fantastic. We love a mystery. And this interview just gives us some real nuggets on just um, some incredible learning and some incredible things that you've been working on and are sharing with others to in sort of improve their teaching capacity. Uh, I certainly know when we caught you on Teachers on Fire, you talked about Google Classroom and Seesaw. And I know Pav jumped in to try the Seesaw right away as we've been using the Google Classroom. So you just you highlighted some great points. And then it's only more of the mystery and the excitement to see what else you can be sharing in the near future. So Matt, thank you so much for joining us on our bonus episode of the Staff Room Podcast, our Authors Talk. And we know we've picked up some great nuggets and we know our listeners are going to pick up some great nuggets and jump right out to get a chance to read your book and your upcoming projects. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope to be back soon. Thanks again, Matt. And everybody, please check out Matt Rhodes's new book, Navigating the Toggle Term, Preparing Secondary Educators for Navigating for Fall 2020 and Beyond.